a trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. Thanks for being part of our growing audience of wrong thinkers. It's actually a lot more fashionable than it sounds, but you know, these things take time to catch on, right? Our show is brought to you by great sponsors like MonticelloCollege.org, the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, and LifesavingFood.com. I want you to pay close attention to that LifesavingFood.com. Um, I have a link in the show notes, which you'll find at BrianHydeShow.com, and you can check this out for yourself. Life-saving food is, is about food storage, and we're talking food storage with a 25-year shelf life. The cool thing about this is if, if it seems daunting, well, I don't know if I can afford a whole year's supply of food at one time. That's great. You don't have to buy a whole year's supply at one time. All you have to do is look at the different packages they have, everything from 72 hours up to a week to a month to several months, depending on the number of people that you're trying to put aside food for, they can handle it. And here's the best part. Mention the promo code HIDE when you when you decide to make your purchase, H-Y-D-E. That's the promo code. They'll knock 10% off the cost of, of whatever it is you're purchasing. Check it out for yourself, lifesavingfood.com, in the show notes at brianhydeshow.com. Well, we've got a lot to cover today. And, and the first thing I want to start with is, have you noticed the number of, I regret not getting vaxxed and now I'm dead, stories that are starting to circulate? I mean, some of these are, are clearly, I don't know if I, do I sound like, like I'm a left-wing liberal when I say, some of these seem like they're written by bots, or at least they're, they're circulated by bots. Because it's the same story under many different names. Well, I'm a nurse at this and that hospital, and, you know, the last thing I do is uh, I hold people's hands as they beg me for the vaccine, and I just have to tell them I'm sorry, but it's too late. And then they die. And their families are deprived. And if they'd have just got their shot, you know. I don't doubt that there are probably some stories like that. I know the, the media particularly likes to seize on, well, you know, this particular right-wing personality used to rail against Dr. Fauci and rail against vaccines. But then he got COVID. And the last thing he said to his listeners was, please get the shot. Don't end up like me. I mean, it sounds like something right out of central casting, right? Isn't, isn't this, uh, this sounds like the, the, the storyline from a television show where, well, you know, uh, Roy has a gay son, but he's never really accepted his son's homosexuality. But on this episode of Wings, Roy comes to understand that his son is still the person he loves. And, well, love is love. And, you know, he gets his wrong thinking right. And it's, I think we're seeing the same kind of formula applied here. Clearly. The memo has gone out. And, and, and the problem that I see here is there are people who obviously think this is still about a vaccine rather than the loss of informed consent. See, I haven't heard those words come out of any newscaster's mouth. I don't see those in any of the stories. Nobody's talking about informed consent. In fact, I bet if you ask most people on the street, hey, what do you think about informed consent? Their eyes are going to glaze over and they're going, huh? What are you talking about? <laughs> well, 
That's what's at stake. And the sooner you can realize it's not about, well, you just think vaccines are, you know, putting nanobots into your body and are going to kill off half of humanity. It's not that. And I'll grant you, there's a lot of different conspiracy theories out there. I don't know the truth of, of those theories or the lack thereof, but I know this. The push that is being mounted right now, whether it's through official sources or whether it's through kind of a backdoor approach, hey, uh, employers, hey, businesses, you'll play ball, won't you? You'll make sure you say that only vaccinated people can come in here. Only vaccinated people can work here. Only vaccinated people can ride on public transportation or, for that matter, fly on an airplane. Just get vaccinated. Everything's going to be cool. But what they're not seeing, and I think they're deliberately not seeing, is it's the fact that we are being forced. We are losing our ability to give informed consent. And for some people, I don't care how well informed they are. You can tell them, well, this is the greatest thing ever. You can show them slide after slide and cite statistic after statistic. If it's not something that makes sense to them or something that they want to do, it is their absolute right Let me put this another way. It's their absolute God-given right to say no. And you have no right, you have no moral authority to force them to make a decision that's more in keeping with what society needs from them right now. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit wound up about this. I've been thinking about it a lot over the weekend. And I'm seeing the beginning stages of a kind of medical apartheid starting to, to take shape. You know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the importance of call things what they are. This is segregation. And we are seeing a very open call for segregation in society. This time, though, it's really not so much about skin color. Although, interestingly enough, if you look within the minority communities, you'll find that uh, the vaccination rates are low enough there that that, uh, a lot of them will be turned away from their grocery stores, turned away from jobs because they haven't taken the shot. I don't know why this is so hard for people to understand, but uh, you don't have a right to tell people to do things that they have a say in. And there are some people who are saying, well, you shouldn't have a say. We should be able to hold you down or we should be able to forcibly make you take the vaccine. I mean, does that sound like a good idea? Does that sound like a medical decision that, uh, well, the society knows what's best? I think of all the uh, pro-abortion rhetoric that I've heard over the years, and I've heard a lot. And that's always kind of the worst case scenario they invoke. Oh, you're going to hold a gun to a woman's head. You're going to force her to have a baby that she doesn't want to have. And they're outraged. And you know what? As opposed as I am to abortion, I am also opposed to the idea that we have to hold a gun to somebody's head to, to force them to do something. Because everybody knows what, what's right. You may disagree with me, and that's okay. But the same principle is at stake here. Holding a gun to someone's head, figuratively or even literally, to force them to take an injection of something that they do not want is exactly as immoral as holding a gun to a woman's head to force her to have a baby. So what do we do about it? Okay, the first thing is we become better informed, right? You got to know your rights before you can actually claim them, use them, and defend them. Got a great essay here from Brandon Smith, who I have really come to like a lot of his writing. I think he has great clarity. I also like the fact that he doesn't appear to be holding any kind of uh, partisan 
you know, considerations when he weighs in on something. It's not about, well, this would be best for conservatives and this would this would own the libtards. I'm sorry, if you use words like libtard, you're part of the problem. And I'm not saying that you're a bad person. I'm saying that's a that's a crutch. It's it's shorthand for I want to label people so I don't have to deal with them on an individual basis. You're part of that tribe. I'm part of this tribe. We got enough tribal thinking. We don't need more. What we need is we need a resistance movement against medical tyranny. Now, I understand if this sounds um, far-fetched. I, I don't expect everybody to agree with me. In fact, I, fe- I expect some of the people who probably agreed with me on a lot of stuff, yeah, Brian, yeah, 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 you're a good guy, are going to be like, what the heck are you doing? When did you leave the reservation? But I, I'm trying to be consistent in my principles here. And this is not always easy. <laughs> so, so bear with me when I say what we are looking at here is an authoritarian medical hierarchy that's being established as having power over our lives. I actually heard a quote over the weekend. I wish I could find the tweet that talked about this, but it, it, uh, it just flat out said, it's time that we take for those for those state and and local leaders who are refusing to do lockdowns, refusing to do mask mandates, refusing to, you know, pressure businesses to do the vaccination mandates. It's time we remove them from power or at least we step beyond them and give that power to medical authorities. Oh my goodness. Does that really sound like a good idea? Yeah, I'm having some pretty strong second thoughts. We need to have unelected public health officials making these decisions. This is what got us into the trouble last year. This is what killed such a huge portion of the economy. How many small businesses went out of business never to return? Because experts, public health experts were weighing in and saying this is what we need to do. And it didn't mitigate the spread of the virus. It didn't stop anything. Because viruses don't respond to public policy and they never have. See, I'm getting worked up again. Okay, got to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to share with you some excerpts from an excellent essay from Brandon Smith. He talks about why we will not comply must become the battle cry of those who will resist our growing medical tyranny. And I sincerely hope you are one of those people who will resist. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm realizing now I really went off in that first segment, so for for those who are just tuning in for the first time, sorry. (laughs) That's about as... as, uh, well, that's about as worked up as, as I get, but I'm feeling so strongly about this because I, what I see happening is leading us to a place that uh, I don't think anybody wants to go, even though we're all scared, we're all concerned. Look, every single person within the sound of my voice knows someone who recently either was diagnosed with or is recovering from COVID. I don't doubt that this Delta variant, it's probably bad news. But it's not worth giving up the things that matter most. And your autonomy, your personal 
ability to to exercise self-determination. See, I'm not even using the word liberty here. I'm just talking about being able to make your decisions because you know what's best for you. That is in danger of being taken from us by people who have wanted power all along but have just been waiting for the right kind of leverage to get people scared enough to where they would not only, uh, you know, grudgingly give up their, their freedoms, but would willingly hand them over. All you need is a little bit of historical perspective. We're going to go into that a little bit later in the show when we talk about mass psychoses and how they take hold among a population. But for now, let's talk about Brandon Smith's article, We Will Not Comply, a campaign against medical tyranny. He says, I've been feverishly writing lately on COVID mandates and vaccine passports issues. And he says, I'm sure most readers understand why. We are currently at the cusp of a great conflict against the powers that be. People who are exploiting the mostly manufactured COVID crisis for the un- for unprecedented political and economic control. And he says, when I say manufactured, I mean that there is no crisis. There is no need for mandates, no need for lockdowns, and no need for vaccine passports. We're dealing with a virus that around 99.7% of people will easily survive, according to the medical establishment's own studies and stats, as well as numerous independent studies. Yet, for, And by the way, he has links to this. So when you look in the show notes, you'll find a link. You'll find the link to his article on lewrockwell.com. You'll also find those links within the article. He says, yet for some reason, we're being bombarded with fear mongering from the media and the governments. So he asks, why is the only solution being suggested to the general public involve us giving up all of our freedoms and medical autonomy? Why is 99.7% of the population supposed to lock down, mask up, and submit to an experimental mRNA vaccine with no long-term testing data to prove its safety? For that matter, he says, why don't the 0.26% of people that are truly at risk of dying from the virus simply take precautions or... Stay home while the rest of us get on with normal life. He says, hell, I'd be fine with contributing to a fund to help support that 0.26% at risk, to help their families with their medical bills. Now, the Federal Reserve and other central banks burn trillions of dollars in stimulus stimulus measures rather, and PPP loans to keep businesses from going completely bankrupt and to keep jobless, non-essential workers from starving during the initial shutdowns. But... He says we could have simply kept the economy going this entire time and paid a fraction of that cost, helping the tiny minority of people that would actually suffer from the illness. That's right, he says. Yes, I'll say it again and again, because I still to this day see the media and the misinformed COVID cultists continually claim the death rate of COVID is much higher. It's not. The median infection fatality rate of COVID is only 0.26%. He links to the source on this. This is a fact. This is the science, according to the vast majority of medical studies out there on the IFR. He says, let me repeat, the entire world is being locked down and told we have to give up our inherent human liberties because 0.26% of the population might get more than sniffles and brain fog from a COVID infection. Why? Well, Brandon Smith says that's easy because the COVID response and restrictions have nothing to do with public health and everything to do with public control. 
Now, he says, this essay is a little different from what I usually write in that it's not so much an appeal to pure reason or pure science and more an appeal to principle. He says, I've been asked by many readers lately if it's not better to argue against pandemic mandates based on ideas and principles rather than hammering away at the science. Now, Brandon Smith says, I think it's important to do both, but let's take a moment to consider the moral question and the moral question alone. And to do that, we must ask some simple questions. Who has the right to control your medical decisions? Who is qualified to control your constitutional right to life, liberty, and the right to seek out prosperity? Who should be given the power to tell you what you can say, where you can work, where you can buy, where you can sell, where you can walk, where you can travel, what you must believe in? The answer is no one, except yourself, that is. But of course, the COVID cult and the people that benefit from the pandemic will claim your rights no longer apply when you are putting the lives of others at risk. And it's the old social contract argument. You're part of society, therefore society has expectations that supersede your rights. Now, this is all nonsense, but it's a classic strategy used by every totalitarian in modern times. It's never been about what society wants. It's always only ever been about what tyrants want. And he has written about this in in a lot of detail. He says, as I've noted in numerous articles with endless scientific facts and evidence, no one who wants to remain free from the COVID mandates or vaccine passports is putting anyone else at risk. Again, the median death rate for COVID is 0.26%, and neither the mandates nor the masks nor the vaccines have put a stop to COVID infections. Interestingly, It's been the states with the harshest lockdowns and mask restrictions that had the highest rates of infection for the past 18 months. Even now, fully vaccinated people are getting COVID by the thousands in breakout cases, and some of them have died. Infections and deaths dropped off in January, long before the vaccines were widely manufactured. Only 5% of the U.S. population was vaccinated with a single dose by February. And the fact is, he says, the vaccines have achieved nothing. Now, he says, even if I was among the 0.26% of people at risk of dying, I would never demand that the other 99.7% of the population give up their freedoms and their children's freedoms just so I might feel a little bit safer. He says, that would be an act of selfish madness. But let's say for a moment that we set aside all the science that supports the anti-mandate position. He says, what if the death rate of the virus was much higher? What if we were dealing with Ebola or some other nasty pathogen? What if one out of a hundred people were at risk? What if one out of ten people were at risk? Would medical tyranny and mass lockdowns be acceptable then? And he says the answer is no, they would not be. Why? Honestly, it's a matter of who's in power and who's implementing such mandates. Why should we have blind confidence in governments made up of corrupt elitists and globalists? Who are they to look out for our best interests? How are these people qualified to protect the public trust? They're not qualified, and they never will be. They do not care about us. They are only interested in serving their own interests and pushing forward their own agendas. Just look at how excited globalist institutions like the World Economic Forum have become, calling the pandemic a, quote, opportunity to, perf- to force through their Great Reset agenda. He says, no, these ghouls are not the type of people the public wants in charge of micromanaging their lives. So it's left up to the individual to protect themselves how they see fit. Only the establishment is telling us, well, you're not capable of doing this. 
Rather, we must defer to their better judgment. They are supposedly smarter than us all, and as benevolent technocrats, only they have the knowledge and righteousness to determine the course of every living person's future. He says, I have to say, that's the classic philosophy of almost every semi-human monster that has ever lived. It is the ideology of narcissistic sociopaths. I don't disagree with him on this, by the way. It can't be tolerated under any circumstance, and it cannot be allowed to infect our nation and supplant our deeper values. Because if it does, he says, we may find ourselves slaves to the system for a very long time. You can check out the show notes at brianhydeshow.com. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Among my great sponsors, I have Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. And this is good news for anybody who is relocating to the great state of Utah. Because that's where Heather operates, and that's where she can help you. Patriot Home Mortgage, of course, is an equal housing opportunity lender. Heather's NMLS ID is 715-386. Why should you talk to the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage? Okay, the short story is this. It's the hottest real estate market within memory. Homes go on the market, and they are snapped up instantly, which means you need to have your financing in order. Well, Heather has decades of experience in the lending industry. She is the one you want on your side to make things happen when time is of the essence. And I'm talking from VA loans to traditional loans to reverse mortgages, even if you're refinancing your existing mortgage. The Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage has the stability and the clout to get you the loan you need without delay. You can stop by and visit their offices at 619 South Bluff Street in St. George. Call 435-703-4522 or click the handy-dandy link in my show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com and it'll take you right to Heather. That's the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage and I'm grateful to have them as a sponsor. I've been sharing an article here from Brandon Smith. We Will Not Comply, a campaign against medical tyranny. And since we've, we've done a good job, I think he's done a good job of setting up the, the problem. Now let's talk about the solution. He says, you know, I've, been, I've warning, been warning for the last year, multiple governments are keeping pandemic lockdowns and restrictions in place, or they're bringing them back in the case of the U.S. He says it should be clear to everyone that this circular process of medical tyranny is not going to end. It is never meant to end. The goal of the establishment of globalists and governments is to keep the restrictions in place indefinitely. And why not? Okay, looking at it from their point of view. It is the most marvelous means of control that any of them have seen within their lifetimes. An invisible enemy that only we can protect you from? Oh, yeah, this is, I mean, this is a totalitarian's dream. He says the mainstream media has consistently attacked the claim that governments would enforce vaccine passports as a conspiracy theory. But now they're openly admitting that the plan is to institute vaccine passports and they're vigorously defending it. They're discussing with avid fervor how they might be able to force or compel each and every person to take the jab, even if they don't want it, even if the jab serves no purpose. 
Now, Brandon says, I have my own suspicions of the jab and its purpose and safety, but let's not forget the jab is at the very least a stepping stone to vaccine passports. Those passports are the key to everything. Without the passports, medical tyranny cannot be established. Without the passports, they have no leverage over the population to dictate the fundamental aspects of our lives. They need the passports in order to get their great reset. Without a papers, please, social credit system in place, their reset will fall apart. So it's imperative that above all, the vaccine passports are never allowed to take root. The program must be stopped and destroyed. This is where you and I come in. Because we are going to have to be the people who resist it. Now, Brandon Smith says, look, I'm not a major influencer in conservative or liberty movement circles. I'm not a big YouTube personality or a media juggernaut. I have no big business backing or deep pockets to spur a national campaign. He says, I'm not particularly fond of public speaking, though I've learned to deal with it. I'm just a writer with a love for the values of freedom, the values of reason, and in many cases, the values of faith that give humanity meaning. And he says, what I see is a deadly serious need, and that is the need for an organized front line against the storm of dictatorship that's on our doorstep. So what he suggests is simple. A national campaign against the medical passports, globalists, socialists, and corporates, corporatists, he says, understand the concept of pressure and how to apply it to get what they want. He says, I believe we must also learn how to wield pressure in the opposite direction. It's not enough to sit in our homes, isolated from each other, content in the knowledge that millions of other people feel the same way we do. We must also take action. And here's what he's talking about. We must send a message. We will not comply. He says, I'm not sure that any single person out there has the clout to drive this campaign alone. And it's probably better that way. What's required is a mass movement united by principles not a movement tangled together by a cult of personality. Sorry, Trump supporters, but that's one of the things that uh, I think we learned a hard lesson on this last four years. Now, he says there are many ways we can do this, this resistance movement, from simple actions to more complex strategies. Any liberty activist can send a message through signs, bumper stickers, advertisements, billboards, etc., reminding the establishment that we will refuse to submit to the jab or vaccine passports under any circumstances. They need to understand that there is nothing they can do that will make us change our minds. Nothing. The primary strategy of the COVID cult has been to work with larger corporations to demand proof of vaccination. In other words, vaccine passports. He says we must let these businesses know in no uncertain terms that we will cut off all consumer support for, our, for their businesses. We will not work for them. We will not give them a penny of our money. Instead, we will approach smaller local businesses. Find out if they're part of the We Will Not Comply campaign, and if they are, then we will support them instead. It's time to teach these corporations a lesson, lesson rather, and put them out of commission by removing our money and our labor from their pockets. Now, he says the next strategy by the establishment has been to mandate vaccinations for government workers. And again, mass walkouts are the answer. Let them sweat by losing half their their workforce. Then maybe take them to court, bury them in lawsuits while strangling their ability to operate. Eventually, the Biden administration is going to attempt federal level lockdowns and vaccine controls. It's only a matter of time. This is where organization is vital. Counties and states with majority conservatives and liberty liberty advocates must band together and once again say, we will not comply. 
Now, if your state government is on board in defying Biden, that will be extra helpful. But don't make the mistake of assuming that state governments alone will protect you. You must be organized at a local level with your community and local businesses ready to make a stand. This must start now before it's too late. By the way, he has a great article, which I'm also going to link in the show notes, just as kind of an added bonus about uh, how vaccine passports could be the final straw for a struggling economy that has already seen a huge reduction in small businesses. They just don't have the finances and ability to add to their infrastructure so they can remain in compliance with all of these different mandates. How many of them have yielded? You know, well, Walmart and big box stores and other large businesses that are more in bed with government at some level managed to prosper. I mean, this is this is serious stuff. And I understand if people are like, oh, I don't know, this sounds like it could be risky. And, and, and risky can mean different things to different people. For some people, risky is I don't want to be called names. I don't want somebody to think badly of me, too. I could possibly lose my job. I may have friends or family who would turn their backs on me. I mean, people are seeing this already. We all know people who have cut others out of their lives, whether for political reasons or over COVID fears. The question I have for you is, do you have skin in the game? Are you willing to suffer for your beliefs? It's okay, I understand. Not very many people are. Nobody, no, not even, well, maybe a, maybe a masochist would look forward to it. Oh, yes, I love to suffer. <laughs> not me, though. It sucks. I'm not, uh, I'm not game to, to being the guy that people are throwing trash at as he walks down the street. But there are some things that I actually value more than life itself. I told you last week about a friend who said, well, you know, I just I got the vaccine because I felt like I would be so embarrassed if I got COVID and I died. That'd be the most embarrassing thing ever. I would be ashamed if I died giving anything less than my very best effort to maintaining the liberties and, and God-given rights that my creator gave me. And what I'm, let me be more clear. What I'm saying is I value them more than I value life itself. Death does not scare me. Having failed to uphold the principles that I hold most dear, that scares me. I hope I'm not alone in this. I don't think I am. But I hope you'll check out these two Brandon Smith articles. Um, they are worth your time. Consider becoming part of the resistance. He says, I believe we're living here at this crossroads now for a reason. He says, I believe we're meant to be here, that we're being given a chance to be the right people in the right place at the right time. I agree with him. Brandon Smith says, I believe that we can end this evil, but only if we dare to try. And it begins with that one simple step, telling the world we will not comply. And then we have to follow through on our promise. See, it's so simple. (laughs) Okay, I get it. It's not that simple, but that's where it starts. And I think the first hurdle, at least for me, is getting over that idea, but I'm all alone. You're not. You are never alone when you are standing for what's right. Don't forget that. This is The Brian Hyde Show. 
This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome to the final segment. I really must have, I must have really built up a head of steam this weekend because I, I feel so much better <laughs> for getting this stuff off my chest. Thank you for uh, hanging along and, you know, coming along for the ride. You know, to fully appreciate the kind of mental conditioning that's taking place in our society today, it's, uh, it's helpful to delve into the dynamics of mass psychoses. Now, I'm not an armchair psychiatrist. I'm not going to pretend that I'm one. But I did come across a 20-minute video last weekend that uh, made sense. This was created in conjunction with the Academy of Ideas. It explains what mass psychosis is, how it starts, whether we're experiencing one right now. And I'm just going to play a little excerpt of it for you, just, just so you can get a feel for it. There is a link in today's show notes. This is mass psychosis, how an entire population becomes mentally ill. Check this out. In this video, we are going to explore the most dangerous of all psychic epidemics, the mass psychosis. A mass psychosis is an epidemic of madness, and it occurs when a large portion of a society loses touch with reality and descends into delusions. Such a phenomenon is not a thing of fiction. Two examples of mass psychoses are the American and European witch hunts of the 16th and 17th centuries, and the rise of totalitarianism in the 20th century. During the witch hunts, thousands of individuals, mostly women, were killed, not for any crimes they committed, but because they became the scapegoats of societies gone mad. Okay, I'm going to stop it there, but I want to encourage you to take 20 minutes of your day and watch this. It's, it's very revealing. And, you know, the fact that it's happened before... I think, you know, the, the one that, that most people should be able to relate to is, well, how did totalitarianism rise in the 20th century? I still recommend as one of the finest books that you can possibly read, They Thought They Were Free by Milton Meyer. In fact, the subtitle of this is, it's They Thought They Were Free, The Germans, 1933 to 1945. And nobody wants to, you know... Put themselves in the shoes of what do you think the average German was thinking by the time 1945 rolled around and they were starting to take in the horror of what was taking place around them. Do you not think that maybe a few of them were wondering how on earth did we get to this stage? And the truth of the matter is, yeah, there were a lot of them who knew there were a lot who knew earlier than 1945. But by the time the totalitarians really had come into power. It was too dangerous to say anything. And the phenomenon that he describes, that, that uh, th- this was a common thread that people expressed when, when it came to that realization of, ooh, this is not good, was they all waited. They all hung on for that, uh, well, there's going to be a big shock. You'll see, and everybody will at once, they'll figure out this is really bad and we shouldn't be doing this. But that shock never comes. And it's because totalitarianism comes in incrementally. We're even seeing this with the COVID crisis. So if you want to look at uh, what mass psychosis is, and especially how can the stages of a mass psychosis be reversed, I think you'll really like this. It's in the show notes. Check them out. BrianHydeShow.com. This is show notes for August 9th. One other thought for you. A friend reminded me the other day, he posted this message on Facebook. It's very simple, very short, but it said, no one is coming to save you. Get up. Be your own hero. 
hero, rather. I've heard this before, and I believe this. I, I believe this, especially when it's an election year. <laughs> and I'm looking around at, at uh, you know, the, the almost fanaticism that, that some people, you know, drift into thinking, well, this person, this personality is going to save us. And I think, no, no, you're putting too much faith in something that is merely political. Now, that's not to say something good can't happen or they can't slow the, the progress of the, uh, the juggernaut of, of Leviathan, but you're going to have to save yourself. And while that seems like a daunting thing, if, if liberty is something that is experienced best at an individual level, you better believe it's something that you are capable of securing for yourself. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy. It just means it's possible. But when it comes to the truth, this is the thing that's going to help you the most is actually understanding what is true and what isn't. Well, Brian, we can trust, you know, our media to tell us what's going on and to make sure that if there was any hanky-panky going on on the part of these politicians or anybody else, why, the media would tell us that's their job. Okay, well, let's go there. Going back to a column I wrote a few years ago about looking for the truth, you're on your own. I just want to revisit the incident of the Covington High School students who were in Washington, D.C. at the Lincoln Memorial, and they were, uh, if you remember, there was a number of different uh, demonstrations going on there. I believe this was in conjunction with the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, so there was a lot of people, you know, there in Washington. But what we, uh, what we remember first, most of us, the first time we heard about Covington High School students, was a video, a very short video of teenage boys being disrespectful to a Native American activist. Do you remember that? This Native American activist is beating on a drum, and these boys are standing there smirking into his face, and we were told that, you know, they're wearing MAGA hats, and these are just, you know, tone-deaf, jeering, threatening, Trump hat-wearing monsters. And I remember how the press went nuts over this. Talked about how Nicholas Sandman had such a punchable face, and, you know, this is what's wrong with America, and I just, oh, they, they, they heaped wishes for destruction upon these young men, particularly Nick Sandman. But those who held out before jumping on the bandwagon and, you know, screaming bloody vengeance had a chance to watch the full video just a short time later. It surfaced, and the full video of what actually transpired at the Lincoln Memorial showed something very different from the narrative that the press ran with initially. Because it turns out the young men from Covington Catholic High School were standing on the moral high ground after all. They were the ones peacefully enduring more than an hour of intense, racist heckling from a group of black nationalists who baited them with taunts of crackers, faggots, pedophiles. The boys were accused of being future school shooters and having incestuous lineage. They took the abuse without taking the bait, and they refused to become confrontational. It was all there in the video. I mean, leave it to the black Hebrew Israelites to act out in ways that made Westboro Baptist Church look reasonable by comparison. But the same group of antagonistic racial instigators was also the source of repeated taunts and insults hurled at that Native American activist before he mysteriously walked up to the smiling high school students while drumming. If you watched the video, you can see this for yourself. We were sold a false version of what took place. 
and what's sad is an astonishing number of people took the bait without question. Now, to their credit, there were a few media personalities who stepped forward and apologized for the initial knee-jerk reaction, but what about the outlets that originated the story? Did we ever get a mea culpa from them? Why did so many news media sources choose to run with the original and false narrative that the MAGA hat-wearing high school boys were the aggressors? Why was there no acknowledgement of what was actually being said by the black nationalists? It's no secret. Much of the mass media in America had an insatiable hatred for the president at that time. So the press had the opportunity to reassess how and why it could have misjudged the American voter so decisively when they elected Trump back in 2016, and they missed the way the election would go, but instead they doubled down on their determination. Well, the election was a combination of racist troglodytes and Russian interference. That's what brought Trump into power. And they simply couldn't imagine that their own lack of ethics and their lust to control others through the information they publish could have damaged their once vaunted credibility. I mean, hubris doesn't begin to describe the kind of arrogance at play here. Look, we live in a time when anyone who wishes to understand the world around them better get used to dealing with incomplete and sometimes misleading information. This is why it's always preferable to go to the source whenever possible. Otherwise, we can become somebody's unwitting dupe. It comes down to whether we place greater value on truth or political advantage. Trust once broken is not easily regained. It cannot be insisted upon. So when the press tells you, you have to believe us, we're the pre- Do you know who we are? Sadly, we know exactly who you are. And by the way, I'm not suggesting anger or hatred of the media is the answer. What I'm suggesting is, you better become a fact checker yourself. You better become the propaganda proof person with a finely tuned BS detector that can sort fact from fiction. Not so much having all the right answers. It's knowing how to ask the right questions. People who can ask good questions will have a better understanding of the world around them than the people who simply cling to the party line the strongest. All right, this almost felt like a sermon. I almost want to say amen at the end of it. But thanks again for being part of our audience. Check out the sponsor links at thebrianhideshow.com. This is The Brian Hyde Show.